Hey, what's up? Mr. Bill here. Uh, unfortunately, I have to announce that I am canceling some shows due to the coronavirus. Uh, updates for this will be on my social media. Uh, apologies if you bought tickets to any of the shows. Um, hit up your local promoters and whatnot for refund policies. And uh, yeah, hopefully I can get back to doing shows shortly. Uh, but in the meantime, hopefully I can keep doing podcasts. And uh, if you want to know about what i'm doing just check my social media there's a bunch of information there uh i'll still be working on releases for beleagle beats and beleagle sounds uh among other things so yeah just keep up to date with me on instagram or facebook or whatever your favorite social media platform is thanks and enjoy the podcast Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you are listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Hey, you're 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 listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. All right, all right, I'm going to introduce this. Cool, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. <clears throat> um, I should introduce you so people know who you are and like what you do and stuff like that. Um, so you're Brandon Thompson. You, we went through like the hardest shit together. And I'd like to talk at length about that because I don't think quite often on this podcast, I'll talk about um, how touring is like tough. <laughs> and then the comments often will be like, hey, you fucking, you get to tour, man. Like, <laughs> you get to do the coolest thing whilst I work in a bakery. How do you, how can you, how dare you take that for granted? Totally. <laughs> and I'm always like, ah, I'm not taking it for granted, but touring is pretty tough. Um, but we specifically together did like the hardest tour. I, it's funny. Like I've, you've always said it was the hardest tour and you were like, I would never do that again. I've always thought like, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd do it again. <laughs> <laughs> like, like for real, like, because after that tour was done, even though like there was lots of things that I would have liked to have changed, there was lots of things that just, God, you can go back and like edit every project forever in your mind. But like that tour was when I was done with that period of time, I felt like I did something mm -hmm. and that's it. Like, what else is there to life like what else is there like a, a sense of accomplishment and that's i don't know it was miserable it was plain and simply miserable a lot of the time i drove a lot <laughs> <laughs> like like and then on top of it like i got a i got us a vehicle this is just a funny story to start like uh there's this guy in in denver uh Tucker Wild, shout out Tucker. Like he listens to this. Like Tucker is from another planet, ideal idealistically than me, and just an interesting guy. But anyway, he, him, and his dad bought like a, a Sprinter van, and it was like a hundred thousand dollar van. And they were like, "You guys can use this," and we fucking wrecked it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we didn't really wreck it. I mean, the first time, the first time I was backing out of a parking lot at a venue and I accidentally backed into a car because a sprinter van is really long, which was my bad. And then I got out and was like, fuck, this isn't good. But the van was fine. 
just the car that I backed into had a huge dent in the side of it. Um, oh, yeah, and they weren't there, right? They weren't there, but we were just in the venue, like loading in and setting up. And then I like came out the front as I saw them from inside and was like, hey, I did this. <laughs> Let me give you my number and like, let's figure all of this shit out. And they were like, oh, yeah, you're super like nice and forthcoming for doing that. Yeah. And then uh, I think I like put them in touch with Tucker and his dad. And they like took care of it because there was insurance on the van, which mm-hmm. was awesome. So we didn't get fucked from that. But the second time was <clears throat> our other visual guy, Tyler. Uh, <laughs> he was driving the van and he just like turned on an angle that was too, uh, too. Dude, small. I can explain it. Okay. Yeah. So like he, sprinter vans are like hella long. Like if you have a hella long wheelbase and you, uh, turn like the middle of your vehicle will end up where you don't expect it to be. Like if right. you turn a car, it just turns. If you turn a big <laughs> long van, like the the I don't even know what the word is, but like your pivot point ends up in a weird your, uh, spot. Your he van's just, fulcrum. <laughs> yeah, your van's fulcrum. <laughs> he tried to like turn into a gas station, and you know those little metal bars that keep you from hitting the gas pump. They call well, ballads. Oh whoa, dude! I love words like that. Yeah. They worked. They totally worked. They <laughs> they stopped us from hitting the petrol pump and also put a hole in the side of the van. <laughs> Dude, I love words like that. Like, uh, what was the name of this? A bollard. Oh, like it reminds me of stanchions. It's kind of like a stanchion, but one that stops your van's fulcrum from hitting the fucking <laughs> petrol bowser, <valves> dude. <laughs> Nobody knows what a stanchion is. Yeah, so it's like a... One of those little, basically kind of like those velvet ropes that stop you from going into clubs you're not supposed to go into. Yeah, yeah. Movie theater things. Yeah. yeah. Little movie theater line things. Yeah. Big, a big deal in the music industry. Yeah. Good for like barriering off your visual area. Totally. So that's the other thing is you're primarily, I would explain you to people as a visual artist, like you're an animator. You also set up like video shows you set a whole video show up for bear grills yeah. you, you set up a whole video show from my tour in 2016 when i had hutch playing drums and we had that kind of like city backdrop with crazy animations and stuff um which you also then came on the road and set up every night yeah yeah and that was like the second tour that i did uh for you like the first one i just made content and we put jordan right. on right 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 yeah so jordan being pickles visuals yeah who Whose father's Madonna. His father is basically Madonna. Which is one of my favorite things to talk about in the world. I don't, it's endless fun for me. Oh, you met him. You were one of the few people that hung out. Oh, I, I'm already I have switching him. subjects. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I had, um, I had his dad play piano on one of my songs on Apophenia. And uh, yeah, it was super cool. He's an interesting guy. He's super, super cool guy. I'd love to have him on the podcast at some point too. Dude, you totally should, and he would totally do it. I think he would totally do it. As oh, well. he would totally do it. He's yeah. an. Oh, I love it. He when Bill and I were at his house, uh, like Leonard Cohen was there when we were there one day. Was he? Yeah, yeah. Huh. Maybe it was a time that you weren't there, but I think it was at the same time we were there. But it was funny. He like showed up, and I don't know. Like it's funny when you know somebody's a legend, but you kind of like have no connection to it. Mm. Yeah, right. Legend yeah. doesn't work. I want to say I was there one day and Tito Puente was there, who's like some crazy percussionist. Dude, this, I mean, his dad went on the biggest tours in the world. Yeah, like, the, the Michael Jackson Thriller tour. Yeah, he played keys on Thriller. What the fuck? Yeah, I wonder if there's a 
big a tour that has happened. No, he did Live Aid, which oh, is right. literally the biggest concert that ever happened. Wait, Patrick played Live Aid? Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, dude. He literally did the biggest thing ever. That's fucked. <laughs> yeah, dude. No, like talking to him. This is something I just love to talk about. And we will get back to this tour thing. But like when I met this guy, like I grew up with like a family of musicians and stuff. And like my my uncle had a hit in the 70s. Like I've always thought about music. My parents are all performers and stuff. So like I've always wondered about these people making the pop music and stuff. Like I grew up with like a 72 piece band around me. And I remember listening to like 90s like rap music stuff like uh the the song where it hit me was like that it had flea on the baseline it was a uh, bust a move mm-hmm. uh, uh, uh. yeah anyway um i would just be like i grew up in front of a 72 piece band and i remember being like what instruments are these like you know samples <laughs> i didn't know what they were i was like how do they make these right, right. and so like i'd always think about this stuff as a little kid so like meeting patrick was like oh my God, I get to talk to this idea from my childhood that lived in my head <laughs> and see what he's re- see what it's really like. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted it to be humble. Like that was my, I wanted somebody that had reached the pinnacle to be somebody that automatically looked at their situation and went, I'm not special. I was in a good place and I did good things with it. I think that's kind of how Patrick is to some degree. But he, I mean, I think... A lot of people in the music industry, I mean, I don't know. I would I would love to get into a podcast with him about this. But Dude, I, I, no, no, I love it. I would, I would say he's like, he's on the humble side, I would say. Yeah, I'd say it's a hard thing to, to, to grasp, really, and it's a lot of perception. Like, yeah, no, I, I've just been around a lot of humble people. Right. Like, not as much as of late. But well, that's because you moved to LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my music, <laughs> and that's because you grew up in Vermont. Uh, <laughs> I hear you talk about um, like the Beats touring stuff. Yeah, and you know, I toured with Beats, and like talk about By Beats. You mean Beats, beats Antique? Antique. Yeah. yeah, talk about like a humble group of people. Like to me, they were exceedingly gracious, humble, and cared about the right things. Oh, they definitely are, but they're also like they haven't played Live Aid, and they're not like you know playing the biggest, biggest, biggest shit ever. So it's like I'm not saying <clears throat> that you shouldn't be humble if you play the biggest stuff ever, and I'm not saying Patrick is more or less humble than Beats Antique, but you know there is a big divide there between the two. Dude, you're so right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Wait, back to touring. Right. <laughs> So, yeah, no, I mean, uh, I think uh, like going back to what we we're just talking about, though, I think you should be humble at like all levels. And I think it's really kind of a it doesn't even matter how big you are. Like there's people who are fucking tiny. I met a guy the other day who's literally a DJ for a school. Like he <laughs> DJs in like school halls and shit. And he was like one of the most egotistical people I've ever met. And he like showed me a video on his phone. He was like, check this out. This is what I do to a dance floor. And it was literally like kids at a prom, like somewhat moving. And I was like, cool, bro. That's very insane. (laughs) (laughs) Where'd you meet this guy? (laughs) In Berthoud, Colorado. Berthoud. Which is like 20 minutes from Fort Collins. Okay. Yeah. Oh, is this year? Check it out. We got Stoyan. How you doing? Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Are you calling your landlord in here? Hold on one second, podcast. I'll be right back. 
I'm coming down, Stoyan. All right. So yeah. explain how names work in Bulgaria. So again. first off, like this this so you, podcast, you said, I'm imagining it's probably going to work a lot like my, my head works, which is like just uh, all over the an place. unorganized mess. <clears throat> It'll be fine. It's usually like that. Um, so you just came in from talking to your landlord who interrupted our podcast and you were like, ah, classic Stoyan Stoyanov. Yeah, fucking Stoyan Stoyanov. And um, I was like, wait, is that his legit name? Yeah, that's how names work in Bulgaria. That's how few people there are in Bulgaria. So like, my, my name would just be Bill Bilinov. Yeah. yeah you would be Brandon Brandonov. Yeah. Wow. Is that insane? So does that mean your children don't have the same last name as their parents? Or the have, or the last or the parents just name their children their last I name? I have no idea how it works. <clears throat> and then do all brothers and sisters have the same name in that case? I have no idea. And there's probably somebody from Bulgaria listening to this who's like you're completely wrong. And Stoyan had lied to you. Yeah, and Stoyan lied to me, which would <laughs> totally make sense. Um, also, uh, just some facts about Bulgaria. Uh, they, in fact, are the creators of yogurt. Fuck those Greek liars. Um, and also, uh, they're basically from... I've met a lot of them living here. Uh, there's a heavy thread of racism going pretty deep through Bulgarian culture. Damn. There's this Bulgarian man that lives here, and I'm um I'm a like very white looking man, but my I'm a quarter black. <laughs> so like uh anyway, like the first moving in here, when I first moved in, Stoyan, this guy is like, he's like, uh, I have one other person looking at the house, but th- they are black, so I'll take you. And I'm like, oh, wow. well, let me uh I'm gonna ruin your day a bit here, but I'm actually and like this Italian roommate that we had at the time, like came and told me like he was so upset. He felt so bad. And like now I've had my cousins here who are like the inverse race of me. They're three quarters black, like I'm three quarters white. And it's so funny, like him, this Bulgarian man and his and his and his Asian wife, this his Thai wife, they uh they like cook them, cook my little cousin special treats in the morning and brought them to us and like we're very nice. It's weird. Racism is an interesting thing. Um, it's funny how we like institute against it. I think about like, oh, are we going to shut? Like, am I going to call the authorities on Stoyan? Because what he did to me is like, like fucked up. He's like, I won't have black tenants. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> legit. It's legit fucked up. Like, yeah, deeply problematic. Right. But at the same time, he's... <clears throat> He's nice to but damn. He makes some good morning treats. Uh, yeah, and he's and he's <laughs> and he's like changing. You know, he listens to right. me. Like he talks to Dude, me. Dude, see that's fucking awesome. So I have a Discord server, right? Yeah. And in my Discord server, I used to just moderate everybody. Yeah. And I was like, it'll sort itself out. And I kind of like the idea of it just everyone having power and all this sort of shit. But I had to unmod a shitload of people because a lot of people were getting kicked for just conversations. Okay. But here's the thing, right? Is like somebody like Stoyan, someone who's clearly racist. Yeah. I mean, you've started a dialogue with him about it, basically, it seems like, in some form or another. Yeah. Like, no, and no. now he seems to be learning from it and seems to be appreciating. Like, he's like, oh, cool. People with African-American blood can be fine. Yeah. And has learned that. And now it's like starting to change and stuff like that you know and that this is why i had to unmoderate people in my discord server was for this reason it's because like when you just shut people off from the thing that they're afraid of or the thing that they don't understand it's like they can never really learn from it but i've had this conversation with a few people and i guess if you scale the problem up to like twitter Mm -hmm. like what do you do do you shut 
neo-Nazis out of Twitter or you, or you let the conversation happen and then... Yeah, I think there's a lot of like, you know, the sunlight is the best uh, disinfectant idea I've always liked. Um, you know, like you you talk about shit and the problems come out. And yeah, I think people need to talk. Uh, like, yeah, I deeply agree with that. Like, it's that's important shit. That's what I think too. But a lot of people think, um, and especially like a lot of like the left leaning people in my yeah. discord server they're kind of like no no you can't give them a platform you have to shut them out <sighs> i mean i don't want to get too far into this because of my opinions on it i don't think are necessarily correct yeah i mean this is just my opinion and i know that it's like there's going to be a bunch of people probably listening to this being like well your opinion's wrong and then <laughs> yeah 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 but no it's funny like how people get turned into to monsters um before i met you there was a thing between uh, you and you and you and Freddie's old roommate. Oh, so I w- was like from Australia, and in Australia culturally, it's fine to say some words. One of those words is "cunt," and the other one I can't even say anymore, uh, and I don't even want to say it. Yeah. But the other one was the the F word, which Fuck. refers to a gay man. Uh, oh, and morally the- wrong. Wait, no. that's not enough. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Damn it, Brandon. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, no, no. Like the the FGT word. Yeah, yeah. Which I don't want to say. It makes me feel bad to say it now. Oh, really? It does. Yeah. I That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I mean, and in Australia at the time, no one had ever pulled me up on it, and everyone said it. And therefore, from the place that I was at, that was a fine word to say. But then I was like, in at Freddie's house, and something happened, and I was like, oh, what an FGT. And his roommate was like, oh, that's they like the whole room kind of went quiet. Mm. And I was this was in 2014. And I was like, oh, what 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 just happened? And they're like, oh, he's he's gay. And I was like, uh y- yeah, okay, cool. Like, so what? Yeah. And they like basically had to explain to me, like, oh, you can't say that word because it makes people who are gay feel super oppressed. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I won't say it around you, I guess. And then I think I still said it for like another year or two. And then I got it out of my vocabulary because I kept having that conversation with people who would get offended by it. And I'm never trying to offend anybody. Like I'm always just trying to express myself. And like even the word cunt, you know, yeah, most Americans understand that that's a word that Australian people use. And they're like, oh, so you use that word, huh? And I'm like, no, I don't. And the reason why is because it offends some people. I don't want to offend anybody. And also, I don't really feel like I need it to express myself. I can express myself in other ways. And also, I got sick of having the same conversation over and over again. That's a valid reason. That's the most valid reason to me out of all of them. Well, I mean... I mean, they're all valid reasons. I'm just saying from my point of view. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was a big reason. But I don't know, for, for a while, like... Um, like I'm pretty openly bisexual at this point. Yeah. And for a while I was saying it. And then when someone would be like, you can't say that because it offends gay people, my defense to it would be like, well, I'm bisexual, so it's fine. But <laughs> then obviously like I got sick of having that conversation too. Dude, that's a funny one though. That's a, that's a funny one. I remember hearing it and I didn't know you yet. And, and I remember immediately thinking like, oh, he's into electronic. Because I knew you through Alicia, like I, I knew you were into electronic. I was like, he's probably a gamer, right? Yeah, and yeah. I think that's like gaming that, culture. That literally was also it. Like I was m- much more into gaming 
well i'm not really into gaming at all anymore but yeah i was into oh that's cool you're not into gaming anymore not really i mean i went through that huge phase um where i watched uh here's where i got got back into gaming i watched that documentary called an indie game or an indie whatever about like super meat boy and braid and pet fez okay and i was like oh fuck gaming's so sick how did i forget about this because i was into games like when i was younger and then didn't for like my whole teenage years and then i got into like those those three platformers that they were talking about on the documentary and then I got into Minecraft and played that for a few years. And then I got into Counter-Strike and played that for a few years. And it was really in the Counter-Strike years that I started picking up on some pretty bad language. And that was where, like, the gamer shit came from. Yeah. Oh, like the game, like Gamergate and all that stuff? <laughs> no, I don't know. About oh, okay, okay. I don't yeah. know any of this stuff. I just, that was... That's Game- just, Gamergate? That was something, um, like, a long time ago where basically it was a bunch of gamers saying, like, uh, I don't know the actual story, so I'm I'm a little ignorant on it. But it was basically a bunch of gamers talking gamer stuff, and then like uh, uh, regular culture got a hold of it, and like it was a whole thing. And it's just I don't know, like to a reasonable person that like looks at that gaming culture, it's like these people don't leave the house, like they're not confronted with reality on a day to day basis. They're talking to people of like the same ilk for the most part who've all like accepted that this is like a price to be involved in this culture Mm. or just came about in this culture and never had to change anything. So it's really sort of just like a bunch of these like odd people in society who are just trying to impress other odd people in society on the internet. Yeah, yeah. By by trying to like out shock them by saying worse shit. If I were a more gracious person, I would want to like omit the word odd. But I I think there's like a, a spectrum of gamer, right? Like there's... There's, yeah, you know, maybe gamers who also go to the gym and like they're pretty societable and, yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And then there is like you know these these kids who just you know go from basically school to their bedroom, play games all night, to school to their bedroom, play games all night, and literally like where they're doing that gaming <clears throat> outside of school, and their friends at school are probably also gamers, you know, yeah, similar type of people, exactly. And then yeah, they just like all I think are getting into this mental like group mentality of like this vacuum thought process type shit where they're just becoming fucking horrible people and dropping m bombs constantly and shit. Well yeah, but that's the thing like they're that's the that's the funny thing like they're not becoming horrible people. They're saying these like hor- these words that we've all deemed horrible. Mm-hmm. But like at the end of the day like that's kind of the problem with the whole thing is like look, language is super limited, but it's all we got. And like you 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 can't ascribe an intent that you feel to somebody else um just like across the board you know and i think that's like a big problem of it and and it was funny i was listening to you earlier talk about the word that you had trouble saying or didn't have trouble saying decided not to say right and it felt very funny to me because i spend one day a week on kill tony <laughs> Um, and they just like flaunt whatever word. Oh yeah, yeah. So speak. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let's speak about that a bit. So you moved to LA, and within like a few weeks of moving here, you somehow became an intern on the Kill Tony podcast. And and just so people who like sure if they're listening to this podcast probably know what Kill Tony is, but for those who don't, it's a podcast held at the Comedy Store every Monday night. It's a live podcast where Tony Hinchcliffe who is a comedian that he's gone on the road with Joe Rogan a bunch and he's been on the Joe Rogan podcast a bunch, runs. He's like the main guy. 
and the guy who runs all of the audio visual stuff is Brian Redvan, who's the guy who like originally produced the Joe Rogan show, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, um, so basically, it's like a, a comedy based podcast. But the thing with comedy stuff is, it's like they can almost get away with saying whatever because they can just be like, "Well, it's comedy, you know. Like I can just do whatever I want because it's supposed to just be fucking jokes, right?" Yeah. Like it's not supposed to be. They they just can sort of palm it all off as being something that wasn't supposed to be taken seriously yeah yeah it's um yeah which is it's kind it, of like a cop-out in some i feel like oh i totally agree but, but also, it's like a boys club where they're like all right let's let our filters go and you know then we'll just call it a cop-out like you know <laughs> it's interesting how uninteresting it gets if you give it too much thought because mm. there's really nothing behind it right like it's really just like you like the the comedy is very much like a, a big part of it can be just like misusing uh common meanings and and things like that so like i mean i don't know like i just don't i i think that we all put this intellectual thought behind it but if you're actually like coming from that standpoint you're just trying to your objective is so different you know that like what like you're not thinking about the world like how do i go through you're trying to like intentionally offend people on some level you know you're trying to say these things to hit but in day-to-day conversation if you did that you'd just be a monstrous dick face and nobody would like you don't you think um that don't you think that different comedians probably aim for different shit though because like 100 it's kind of like with electronic music right you're like oh these electronic musicians all they try and do is make the heaviest banger and like sell the most tickets and like try and make people dance the hardest and stuff like that but that's not everyone's goal like some people's goal is like no i want like you know like amon tobin Izam. i'm sure he wasn't like oh you know what i'm gonna do make the we don't have to talk about my work like this but (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah Um, (laughs) that's right you do look kind of like amon tobin um you should tell the the thing. Wait, did that happen with that was just Eskimo? Oh no, a guy came. Bill posted like a picture of me uh once as Eskimo and promoted a show. I kind of look like maybe I'm Eskimo. And you promoted a show with me as Eskimo, and then you did the same with Eamon Tobin. No, no, no. I, I posted a picture to my Instagram being like really stoked to be going on the road with Amon Tobin doing my visuals. And you look a lot like Amon Tobin. And actually now having met both of you in real life, you you don't look that much like him. I mean, like you, a little bit like it's anyway, in the pitch, you like were looking all serious and shit. And you might've looked more like him in the, in the picture I posted or something like that. But anyway, yeah, it was like somebody came up at the show <laughs> and like, we were both standing there, <laughs> but instead of talking to me, they like came up to you and were like, holy shit, I can't believe like you're doing. This. Yeah. Yeah. You've no, they were like, they were like, you've changed my life. Like right. they, they opened up to me like this and I'd forgotten that you did this. So I was just <laughs> like, what the hell are you talking about? Like, you must be really into like a tour I ran or something. Like I've never done anything to deserve this. Um, and, and like, then it hit me like, oh, you think I'm Eamon Tobin. And then what immediately became funny to me was like, cause we were in the middle of this shitty tour to get back right. to where we started. Right. Like, and and like we're like fucking busting our ass and and like the idea that Eamon Tobin would be <laughs> out there with us like doing what i was doing like is 
so ridiculous if you know sort of like the hierarchy of things. Right, right. But this fan didn't. But yeah, it was just so mind blowing. It was so. What funny. is also like funny to me, <clears throat> and not to like talk shit on your work or anything. Yeah. But it's like it's so funny that they could come and watch the show that we were doing, and then still think that Amon Tobin did that. Oh yeah. I mean, they like you know. I well, don't that think, was. I mean, honestly, I don't think Amon Tobin like did. No, he didn't. Solution. It was Peter Sistrom. Right, right. Who's a very impressive person. Right. And anybody interested in in visuals should should Google him. Uh, he made like he made the uh, base nectar setup too. Okay. Right before I got Beats, um, I met him with Surya, who is somebody I'm sure we'll get into later. But like um, that day when I met Peter, I tried VR for the first time. This is like 2012. So like VR wasn't even a thing like this for the these guys are all developers and I had like early release Oculus setups and stuff. And yeah, it was just mind blowing. And I saw like he ran like the prototype for Base Nectar's show in Surya's office, like for all of us, and like showed us how like the meta tagging worked and how it like calls up visuals per song, and it was really cool to see. So how does um how does Base ne- how does Base Nectar send meta tagging to them when he's playing his tracks to to tell the system what video to play? Um, I don't know the specifics about like what information they're using. I know that they're sending it over touch. Uh, it's their, they're triggering, uh, stuff in touch designer. And I think it's just, um, with touch, you can like send, you know, you, you can just, they were doing it before you could integrate with Ableton and with, with touch, you just send it information and tell it what to do with that information. Touch treats all inputs like. Uh, as just inputs you can combine anything with anything by by touch touch design you're talking about touch design yeah, which sorry. is which is sort of like max msp or reactor for visuals yeah yeah but it's actually like dude i actually got into uh like the guy behind touch designer and that really made me like have a deeper love for it um i saw an interview with him and his basic thing is so like i encountered touch designer for the first time uh, doing the Beats Antique tour, I went and worked for this company, Obscura Digital, out of San Francisco, and they were like, they've been bought up by Madison Square Garden at this point. So, like, I guess who even cares? They're just who gives a shit. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, but, the individuals still exist who are working at that company, right? The the people who made it, what it, what it was, that was made it impressive. Totally, but I wonder how they feel about it. Like, I know people that have worked for companies that are really cool and then the company gets bought out and like their lives just kind of change like i think everybody that got like richly financially rewarded but i wonder if they're as excited about the work because when i worked with obscura everybody was super stoked to be doing this beats antique project because the rest of their projects are like set this up for chase manhattan right all like yeah go set up this like moving thing out the front of a verizon store or something dude when i first did the beats thing i was uh in like a warehouse this is like like i was saying like 2012 so teslas were brand new and uh dude every day i'd have to move this tesla like nobody could even drive a tesla back then like they weren't even around (laughs) and every day i would have to move this freaking tesla that obscura was um putting a uh 
like they put like a turret uh that held a like a 20k projector like a giant projector out of the roof of a tesla for some movie that was driving around projection mapping buildings while driving in san francisco for this for shots it was just such a man the the tech world is so cool and like the experiential world like you just end up doing the weirdest craziest stuff yeah man i yeah (laughs) i I just moved to san fran and like it's a it is crazy what's really crazy there is this kind of like when you come to la you talk to whoever right and everyone's like oh yeah you know i'm an aspiring comedian or aspiring actor or an aspiring producer have you got any cocaine and like, <laughs> it's like oh you know i'm like you know trying to work on this thing that has to do with being here for netflix or something like that but when you're in fucking san francisco it's just like you know like here la or uh la yeah is, la. <laughs> it's the like media epicenter of of the world maybe apart from bollywood or something <laughs> yeah but uh San Francisco, it's like the idea epicenter. It's like the the fucking smart people epicenter. It's crazy being there. Like everyone I talk to is just like, oh yeah, I work at Google. You know, you ever use this thing on your phone? Yeah, I made that. Or like, yeah, yeah. It's, or you know, I'm, I'm part of the team who makes that or something. It's it's crazy talking to those people. And and what I really like about like about programmers is their their const like their whole job. Is to solve these incredibly difficult logic puzzles. Yeah. Which makes them kind of cool to be around because whenever there's like any problem that, you know, like some everyone needs to send money to one person at a restaurant at the end of the day to figure out the tip or the tab, or it's like everyone's just like, oh, it's super simple. To like. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And just, I don't know, small things like that. Wouldn't it be funny if they all broke off into teams and started developing app <laughs> ideas to solve the problem in the moment? They're like, it'll be six months. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I'll They're get getting a, investment yeah, on yeah. like solving the tip deal, like angel investors are involved. <laughs> I mean, I guarantee you this is how Venmo started. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, yeah. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah. It, oh, dude, wait. I liked... Um, when you moved there and told me kind of what you're saying right now, when you were describing to me like how how people are in San Francisco and meeting them, and I was just really happy that you had moved there because like when you moved, you moved for, to America. You stayed with uh, you stayed with me and Alicia in Denver. Yeah. So I mean, well that that wasn't when I moved. That was the year before I moved there, and I was just there on a tour or whatever. Okay. Yeah. But but I did send a box of stuff to your house when oh, I was, oh yeah when i was right. moving but when i moved to america at first i had a house yeah um yeah but denver's cool uh denver's really cool if you're an electronic musician and you're trying to play a lot of shows and you're trying to work with a lot of niche based music producers i guess like that's that's what makes denver cool denver killed my dog um no <laughs> um <What? laughs> How did Denver kill your dog? No, I had like a negative experience with Denver that I think will always affect me negatively about Denver. I had a dog for 10 and a half years that... Yeah, Duffer. Yeah, Duffer, man. We lived the... Dude, when he passed away, like, I remember, like, I never take pictures of anything. And so many people sent me pictures because, like, my dog had lived a life. Like, he used to go on two-month trips without me with a friend to go hike in Montana every year. Like when I, when people sent pictures of him, I got like 
hundreds of pictures of him. And I, somebody commented, like when I posted pictures, like, holy shit, your dog's been more places than my dad. <laughs> and I was like, fuck yeah, it's okay that he died now. Because he beat your dad. <laughs> That's all that matters. <laughs> That's all that is matters. That my dog is better than your dad. Yeah. Yep. And I was like, you've um, been a good person, Brandon. And you're like, uh, was better than my dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but Denver, the reason that. Yeah, why uh, you, yeah. Yeah. So like I got, I was like walking one day, my dog outside and Denver's like real weird about dogs without leashes. And my dog just walked by my side. He like totally just understood how to work with reality. I, I rode rode with him off a leash in, in Portland all the time. Like I would ride a bike and he would run alongside of me. It was crazy. It was sick. We had a, like a cool symbiotic relationship. One day I ended up getting like uh, $400 in fines and chased by an animal control guy in Denver. And then they like, I argued with him. So he called the police on me in my front yard, which was hilarious. So now there's just like cops. I just moved into a house. Uh, like my neighbors are showing up. They don't even know me yet. So I'm just like, I've already lost this war. Like they're showing up. There's like cops in the front yard. And as they're walking into their house, I'm just like, yeah, sorry. I was hitting my wife. <laughs> like it, it was just like a downhill, like kind of, and it was funny. Like they all, they were chill neighbors. They got that. I was kidding. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It soured me on Denver because like, like I had, like, I didn't feel like I could, like, enjoy myself in this activity that was, like, super important to me, which was just, like, chilling with my homie, going on walks. And and then, like, I'm such a drama, I'm such a drama queen, but, like, like, it was important to me, you know? And, like, it just really fucking soured me on the town. Like, I was just like, what's, what's, the, oh, the great outdoors. You'll be arrested if you take an animal with you. Like, right. it's ridiculous. <laughs> And, it, and and then, like, there were other things. I lived in Portland before Denver, and I just thought it, it had, like, a lot more personality. I, I kind of felt like about Denver, like, um, it's a lot of people that are like, holy shit, this place is way cooler than Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. I mean, to some degree. I think, uh, I don't know. The Denver has a certain charm to it and a certain sick vibe to it if you're in the electronic music community that, totally agree. that only that place has. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, if if that's important to you, which it was to me for a while. Yeah. Um and still to some degree is, uh, then it's great. But for me now, where I am in life now, I think I've become more of an experience whore. And Denver's not great if you want to experience a lot of things other than... I've long been an experience whore. And maybe <laughs> that was a lot of it for yeah. me. And and being like right in a city like San Francisco or La. Yeah. Or uh, maybe Portland as well. Uh, Portland less, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, like these big fucking metropolises with shitloads of stuff going on and like really like a swath of crazy smart or whatever to people. To me, it's about culture. <clears throat> To me, it's about yeah, culture. Okay. And like, that's the thing. Like, Portland's got culture in spades. It might be a, a, you know, there might be a lot of things you could say about that culture and talk about like problematic issues of its history or whatever. But like, um, it, it's there. Like, when I went back to Portland, um, my first day back in Portland, I, when I was moving out to LA, um, I went to Portland to see if I wanted to live there again. And, um, Man, like I, I showed up and in my first day, I saw a guy in his car sitting solo paying, playing a pan flute. Nice, dude. What? 
what? <laughs> and then me and this girl went out. Guy to- really knows how to croon. <laughs> what? Like, who does that? And he was like, not even interested in the world around him. Like, this was for him. He was in his car playing the band flute for him. All right. It's beautiful. The, me and this girl went out to this bar and we met up beforehand. We see, like, we look into this restaurant. I was living on uh, Mississippi, which is like a f- cool little street in Portland. And, uh, and uh, like right next to my house at uh, Mississippi Pizza, there's this this uh, guy, like there's a dude sitting in a bathtub um, facing away from me because I'm looking into this place. And he's sitting in a bathtub uh, holding a um, uh, like a uh, little, I can't even think of the instrument name. Oh, a ukulele. Okay. And he's like rowing the bathtub <laughs> with the ukulele. And then there are 30 people in front of him with ukuleles playing the ukulele. And it's just like, what is happening in this building? And me and this girl go out to this bar down the street. And when we come back, we park in the same place. And now the bar is emptying of um, like a bunch of drag queens. So my assumption is that there is some sort of like siren song that you can play on the ukulele and everybody transforms into drag queens. But like, that's, Portland, man, like, like it's so weird. And then, like, the next day was Wednesday, and then Wednesdays in Portland, like, thousands of people just ride their bikes through the streets all night with sound systems and crazy lights. It's like every Wednesday, yeah. Holy shit, yeah. What, like, Portland's weird. <clears throat> Portland sounds like a uh, Burning Man or something like. It, no, it is. It's so funny. They're so preaching to the choir. Like every stop sign is like "Stop the war, stop Trump." It's like up. Oh, you're you're making a difference, Portland. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like this is like everyone here understands. These yeah, nobody here is arguing with you. Like, <laughs> like when when Trump won the first time, they literally like shut down the interstate that runs through Portland. Like people just filled it and stopped traffic. Wow. Yes. I wonder what would happen if you literally just took everybody out of Portland and just dumped them in LA. Do you think LA would just swallow them and just it wouldn't even make a difference because of how populated LA is and how crazy LA Dude, is? Dude, well, what they'd all just be returning home. Well, let's say you made it so they couldn't. Everybody in Portland just just like just, that. Bam, Portland is well, excuse me. The the population of Portland is now just in LA. Uh yeah, no, I mean I don't I, well, first off, I think a lot of the population of Portland now, since I've been there, like I moved there pre-TV show. Mm-hmm. There was no Portlandia when I went there. Do you think I changed it? Oh, hell yeah. I remember when Portlandia came out that that was like, it was like, holy shit, like the dream of the 90s thing. Like, oh, they hit the nail on the head. Like, that's what that shit is. Like, it's like Generation X's like imagination of a perfect world. Right, right. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's just a, it's a funny place. I don't know. It's a lost track, but. <laughs> nice. Let's talk about Kill Tony. Um, yeah. What's it like working at the comedy store every Monday? It's crazy that like you moved here basically to pursue comedy, it seemed like. Yeah. Because at the time you're like sort of writing a bit of comedy and everyone was like, you're pretty funny. You should be a comedian. And then like next minute you just moved to LA to do that. And then bam, you have a job at the comedy store like a week later. Somehow. The comedy store thing is mind blowing still. Yeah. Like. Um, I'm there every week. There's like this special spot in the back that like you need to have your name on the wall to even go to. You know what's kind of crazy? And <clears throat> yeah. sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but like, no, no, go for it. One thing that's kind of crazy is I was thinking like I always think this is like it's it's cool how comedians have just found their natural platform, which is podcasting, because they're all fucking professional talkers, basically. Yeah. To like you know create this 
this episode based thing, which they can then uh, monetize with stuff like Patreon and ads and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, maybe I should start a podcast. Not for that reason, just because I enjoy talking to people and, you know, podcasts seems like a great idea to have like Dude, a, I'm so a talk, talk show type thing. podcast my whole life. <clears throat> you Wait. could do one whenever you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> um. <laughs> okay, Brent. but but I think it's funny that like I got into podcasting, and then literally today I've talked to, like two people who oh, basically dude. work in oh, comedy. <laughs> oh wait, can I? Yeah, can I? That's so sick. You yeah, we can. On the- yeah, I, 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 we can talk about this for sure. I, I um I can't talk about the release date of it. Okay, and actually, I'm yeah I can talk about it. it's fine. Um. Yeah, I was on the Duncan Trussell podcast earlier, which was fucking crazy. Fucking sick. Woo. Um, like, I was expecting a round of applause right there. Oh, yeah, I know. We need, like, a sound maker. <laughs> this is because you do a live podcast every week. So, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, anyway, um, there's a wall out the back of the comedy store. Oh, there's a wall out there that, like, it's apparently you're not allowed to go back to this thing. Uh-huh. I went back to this thing. You right? went back to this thing because with yeah. Kill Tony, it's totally different because right. Tony is kind of like, Tony started as a door guy. Like, Mm. it's funny to watch him there. It reminds me of, I used to work at this, like, restaurant in Portland that's, like, this institution, but it's also, like, a horrible place. It's called McMinimins. And, uh, like, there's a bunch of them. And there's this weird feel, like, there where, like, you're part of this uh, this thing and, like, it's got some weight to it. But it, it falls short in this thing. At the comedy store, it's, like, this actual institution that's like just so singular and yeah, it's like the black box of the comedy yeah the black box in denver is kind of like the spot where just fucking everyone plays i've yeah. always looked at that spot as sort of like the comedy store in la for comedy dude that's actually really that's actually a really good description and that's so cool that the black box like that's um nicole's thing right she's yeah that's so cool i yeah, just yeah. i love that She's the, like the Mi- Mitzi, is it? Yeah, Nicole's like the Mitzi. The Mitzi of, of electronic music. Yeah, yeah. Man, I thought it was really funny when I went to Kill kill Tony with you and then I, we chatted with uh, Tony for a little bit. Um, he seems really cool. But what I noticed is like he told us this story that I was like completely engaged in and was like, oh, this is a cool story. And I can't believe like, you know, he's telling me a story. Like I, you know, I didn't even expect to meet Tony and I really like his stuff and whatnot. Then I thought about it later and I was like, that was kind of a fucking shitty story. I mean, like he told it really well and I was super engaged, but literally the story was, I was driving through the Midwest. I saw a cop from two miles away, told my buddies about it. And sure enough, there was a cop there that I saw from two miles away. And I was like, it's fucking crazy that he was able to tell a story and keep me that engaged <laughs> with such a basic storyline. Like, I wish I was that good at, at telling stories. I feel like a different human on that show than I've been in anywhere in my life because my whole life I've been like the outspoken loud one in the room. Right, right. And like in contrast to these people, you are not. Well, no, it's just that's everyone's game there. So you kind of can't play that game. Because, like, well, first off, I'm coming into it, right? And, like, you have to deal with, like, the the ego part of just everything. Yeah. And, like, it's not the way to, like, be in that situation. It's very funny. Like, I feel, I feel like, re- weird about, like, just the impression that I give to, like, the people around me there. Because it's just so different than any way I've ever been perceived. Because I 
I totally kind of act differently. Like Tony, though, but like if I look at that show, right? And like the show is like this like wildness to it. But everybody in in c- comparison to like the stuff that we've gone through, these guys have not lived half of the craziness that that we have. Dude, like, I remember one night in Minneapolis. Yeah. We went out on an off night and got hammered at this <laughs> fucking pub. And Dude, then we the walked. The smallest of the Apple The Yes, that's the miniest <laughs> of the Apple <laughs> Um, what is Indianapolis? Oh, that's an indie one. Uh, it's a, in contrast to Annapolis, Maryland, where I grew up, um, which is just standard. Like that's just like your, your yeah. stock standard Apple. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> just like it's Annapolis. It's the Appleist of the apples. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <clears throat> so we, yeah, I don't know if you remember this. Um, we got fucking really drunk at a bar on an off night of the tour where we didn't have anything to do and we had an Airbnb um this is i have such a great this is so great go for it <laughs> and after we got out of the bar well for starters jordan who was our other visual guy at the time who quit halfway through the tour because it was too hard <laughs> uh, also he, i'm an asshole that wasn't i mean that was probably part of it but like anyway <laughs> he quit and um he was so fucking drunk that he i think he just blacked out and doesn't remember anything oh my Um, god to the point that when we got back to the airbnb he like pissed in the kitchen and shit like he was that kind of drunk Uh, uh, he stood like stood yeah everybody around he literally just stood in the kitchen like pissed as if it was the toilet (laughs) i was like all right i've that's okay (laughs) i think you broke my rib that night i did yeah because me and you were wrestling I remember that, but like, hold on, let me tell yeah, a story. After we were in, uh, coming out of the bar, we went to get a pizza and we like stood in this pizza shop. I want to say for like fucking 30 minutes or 20 minutes or something. A long ass time, like way longer than it should take, I think, to make. You, you showed me your dick. That was at the bar, I think. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> we, were, we were very drunk and we got the pizza. We finally got it. We're all hungry. We walked outside and for some reason uh i think you just dropped it or jordan might have just yeah dropped jordan it. dropped it i think and we're all, we're all just like no we just waited so long for that pizza and then you like threw it up and i think it like hit this black guy's car yeah and then he was like what the hell and you're like ah oh, sorry and then he got back in his car <laughs> and then you like jumped on top of his car whilst he was trying to drive off that is true and yeah. then he got out again and was like what the fuck are you doing <laughs> Which was like a totally valid question. I've thought back about that night many times, and I was like, "That was a little. That was a little much, Brandon." That might have been the most heinous night on tour. <laughs> yeah, no. The funniest part about that night to me was uh, we were on tour with uh, Jesse Circuit Bent, who didn't come out with us that night. He didn't uh, participate in certain things of the tour. Oh, he didn't participate in uh, certain parts of the tour, like. having fun um but anyway like uh (laughs) um so we get back and he's a very funny man and he had he had built a fort remember he built he built a he built a fort he did build a fort what did he call it is that what he called it so we get back Hmm. to the house and we open the door to the to the airbnb and immediately we all fall all over each other because Jesse's built a fort, which means he took all of the furniture from the Airbnb and put it in front of the door. And we drunkenly fell into it and we broke a chair. 
Yeah. And so now this whole place is on my card at the time. So and like my Airbnb, which is tied to me, and they have this broken chair. And um, and we're traveling with like a projection map set made of wood. So we had like woodworking tools and glue with us. And we put the chair back together in their kitchen. <laughs> and like fully clamped it and clamped shit. it and put it back together. And I always wanted like to get a call from them where they were like, uh, what did you do to our chair? And you're just like, what? And they're like, yeah, there's wood glue on it. And, and we're like, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I was traveling. It's not like I travel with woodworking tools. <laughs> that would have been a perfect excuse. I would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're off. You're off scot-free. And we'd be like, ha But we never got caught. And telling that story, I always feel like very funny. Like if somebody's, because it's clearly a dickhead thing to do. Right, right. Dude, the craziest, that that was one crazy night on tour. The, the other night that might have been the craziest night on, on tour was when we played in Calgary. And then uh, we finished up at the show at like 2 a.m., Got everything packed back into the van by like probably 4 a.m. It was like a two-hour pack down sort of job. And then we were like, fuck, we have a show in Winnipeg where sound check is at 5 p.m. So we need to be set up, ready to sound check at 5 p.m. And the setup is also like two hours. So we're like, we need to be at Winnipeg at fucking 3 p.m. And we're in Calgary leaving at 4 a.m. And it's like, a, I want to say a 12-hour drive or something. I think we Meanwhile, didn't- the other circumstance to this is that jordan has left the tour right to go to a tool concert <laughs> which was kind of like my breaking point was <laughs> like oh yeah no i'd like to go to a tool concert too i guess the who right. leaves a tour for a tool concert this was my thing at the time right and uh yeah so like there was i had i had had to set up the show and then i had to drive all the way to Winnipeg. To Winnipeg. And then set up the show. Yeah, which is, I think, before I cut you off where you were headed. I mean, yeah. And then we had to do a whole other show on, like, not a lot of sleep. I got a bit of sleep in the van whilst you basically drove the whole way, which is insane. And you pretty much didn't sleep for, like, two days. Yep. So, to anyone who wants to talk about touring being easy. Oh, yeah. No, touring <laughs> isn't easy at all. It's, like, yeah, th- that's the thing. Like, I kind of feel like I'm I'm a little bit like a glut for punishment. Like, I like <laughs> I like having a really hard task that you have to like. Dude, you fight. I think are like on another fucking level. Like at that at that point, I would have just been like, we're canceling Winnipeg. I would not have like stayed up the whole other day, drove a whole another thing, set up the whole shit again. Like, I would have just. Well, been- Bill, I did it for the money. <laughs> oh yeah you mean the the like three and a half thousand dollars you got paid at the end of <laughs> 60 days of that which i split with with people right right because i like wanted to, to have people have fun like it's right. legit like i don't make smart decisions regarding money at all in this world right to a to a very to a destructive degree <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. No, that was crazy. Like afterwards, I remember Alicia being like, did you even break even? And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I didn't break even on that tour either. I, at the end of it, I like did all the accounting and I was like, fuck, I'm actually like negative $5,000. We did. Mm. We did. We put 
uh, what over 20,000 miles on that Sprinter van. Yeah, we did over 20,000 miles in 50 days. We did 35 shows. I drove at least 18,000 of those miles. I don't know about 18,000, but definitely, <laughs> definitely you did a lot of driving. Yeah. Um, I didn't do as much as I probably could have. Look, if we're going to be in the car, I don't, I don't care. I might as well be driving. Right. Like, I'm not going to do something else. And you were doing something really sick on the tour, to be honest. You know, you were doing that That's Nicolas true. Cage. I was like, yeah, scoring a Nicolas Cage movie at the same time as doing this insane tour. The funniest Nicolas Cage thing. Oh, Surya, the other day. He right. is a bad movie club. Hold on, hold on. Um, whilst we're, whilst we're on Nicolas Cage, I actually um, was talking to my housemate the other day. He's a really lovely guy named Michael who who put on that Coalesce event. Um, you know, Coalesce with Tipper headlined it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he like put that event on. Nice. So he's a promoter. Um, anyway, I was hanging out with him and just in conversation, I like, I was like, oh, yeah, I uh, scored a Nicolas Cage movie. He was just like, wait, fucking what? I love Nicolas Cage. And we sat down and watched it together. And I just realized like how incoherently told that story is uh, like after not watching it for so long. And like, obviously when I was working on it, I like, I know the storyline back to front because like, you know, I have to, to write the shit for it. So I was like, never really thinking about that, but like watching it again with fresh eyes after not watching it for like a long ass time. And then also having him next to me being like completely unaware of what the storyline is going to be. Cause he's a never heard of this movie and B I never, explain anything to him at all it took him until like 45 minutes into the movie to realize what was even going on and he's like man the only way i would have known any fucking thing in the first 45 minutes like is if i had have watched a trailer basically and learned about the storyline that way because like he's like otherwise nothing makes sense up until like 40 minutes into the movie Dude, that's so funny because the story actually is is kind of I like the story. The story, the concept is the cool. The concept is cool. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a funny situation. Like the concept is basically the concept is basically like you you the the parents. There's like an epidemic sweeping the nation. Yeah. Where parents for some reason wake up one day and just want to kill their children. And they retell this situation over and over again in different circumstances but the funny thing is that it's like each parent of each like generation right so it's like the grandparents want to kill that's what i'm saying yeah so like there was a there's a scene in the hospital where like you know a mother gives birth to a baby and then instantly kills it and then there's a another scene where like parents are waiting out the front of the school for their children and then instantly like attack their children as soon as they get out of school and then there's one where like nicholas cage and selma blair are trying to kill their kids and then they hear the doorbell ring and they're like oh our, uh, that's right we invited our parents over for dinner tonight and it's nicholas cage's parents and then they answer the door and his dad stabs him in the guts oh, oh. Like, so there's like yeah a bunch of generational jokery going on there and stuff like that <laughs> jokery yeah yeah nothing like a stab in the in the guts to yeah yeah to really nail that humor home <laughs> Um, <laughs> to really show your son that. dude so surya was watching that with his bad movie club recently and his he was watching mom and dad yeah he was watching it they oh, wow. they do this like once a week and the whole time he's watching it he's he doesn't know what the movie is at all he's like holy fuck this movie is weird but the music is sick oh nice <laughs> he was digging it he was like what the whole movie he said he was thinking about it like what is this nice and then at the end your name pops up and he's like oh oh of course <laughs> that's so cool and he asked me he's like how did he get that and i was like tutorials yeah and surya is one of the he i met this dude through tutorials yeah it's great like 
tutorials, man. Yeah, they're who great. knew? Yeah, so yeah, I guess for people listening who don't really know how this came about, to me, this is my understanding of how it happened. Uh, Brian Taylor, the director, he was um, he was like, I, I want to sort of John Carpenter this film and do all the music myself, you know, because that's how John Carpenter did it with like the thing and shit. He just had a bunch of Moogs laying around and would just fuck around with them and just, you know, twiddle knobs and shit. He wasn't really, you know. Yeah. a musician or an producer or anything like that. He was a film director. But I guess he just twiddled around and like kind of knew what he wanted out of synths to make it work, like just little pulse type things like dun, 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 dun. And he would just like do it himself. So Brian Taylor was like, oh, I could do that for my own movie. And then he started like looking into how to do it. And, you know, he he, he already knew about Ableton. But then would like uh, – he was like, I guess, watching tutorials and then was just like, fuck it, I'll just get this guy to do it. Oh, but interesting. he'd already heard of our stuff, my stuff before. Yeah. Um, Actually through the Circuit Bent remix of Bloss, which is a track that me and Freddie Todd made. Okay. He like had already heard that track in the past, I guess. So I thought he, it was his kid. Like I thought he had a I kid. Think he, his- he does have a, a child as well who's into producing okay. as well. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it was like a bunch of factors. But yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's I think kind of I think how he was reminded of me again perhaps was tutorials. But yeah, it's crazy to just like get that email one day and just be like, oh, wow, there's an offer on the table here to do a Nicolas Cage movie. That's interesting to wake up to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that kind of thing. I like those random things like that for me. That's like a good year of happiness right there. Like a cool project to work on. Uh, just I just live life for the story of it. Yeah. And that's days of that's that's beautiful right there. Like anything that's yeah. just like bizarre. But yeah, the crazy thing is that it got offered to me like right before we went on this huge fucking tour. Yeah. And I was like, shit, I mean, I can't turn down a Nicolas Cage movie score. Like you'd be an idiot yeah. to turn that down. And I was like, and I can't cancel 35 shows. <laughs> so I was like, fuck, I just have to do both of these together. You got some RDs? Yeah, I had some more Ds, LCDXs. Yeah. And then just in the back of the tour van on my laptop, just cranking away. <laughs> Dude, I, I I think it's such a cool thing to have to, to have done on that tour. Right. Like, I mean, it's that only adds to. And, yeah, you're right. It was like a really hard, really sort of unfulfilling tour compared to like, you know, pr- pr- previous to that. I'd just been on um, mostly bus tours and done like smaller stuff with uh, Guapale in like sprinter bands. But mm. like bus tours are sick, man. Yeah, I did this. I did actually some small bus runs with Beats and Antique as well. That's so fucking sick, man. Dude, like, do you do you sleep well on a bus? Yes. Oh my god, I've never slept better in my life. It's yeah. like being in the womb. I know. There's like this low rumble hum, mm-hmm. and you're constantly moving. You didn't have Adrian as a you didn't have Adrian as a driver, but I I was yeah. like in love with our driver. Still am. I love this man. He's one of the best humans in the world, and um and and uh, Adrian. Um, he, I would just wake up, we'd hit a rumble strip and I'd be like, pop up and just go, Adrian's got us. <laughs> just go back to sleep. Yeah. Like, yeah. Sweet, sweet Adrian. <laughs> yeah. Put your thumb in your mouth. <laughs> Dude, and I love bus tours because I wake up really early, just automatically all the time. Mm-hmm. And bus drivers are just constantly driving alone. Right. So, so I just, just like go and kick driver. it up front. It's yeah. the best situation for me. Cause like my whole life I've like 
dude, like always I've been the best friend of like somebody's mom if I was like friends with them because like we'd I'd go stay at their teenage son's house with their teenage son who sleeps till like 11 o'clock. Right. And here it is seven and I'm like, doo-doo-doo, I'm awake. <laughs> and um, You ever wake up early and fuck someone's mom? Dude, man, if I ever did. <laughs> it's a weird question. No, it never happened. But if I did, <laughs> Nancy Roy. <laughs> Oh man, I hope Nancy Roy listens to this podcast. Oh, she knows. She knows. Mark, I'm sorry. You did it to yourself. She's a beautiful woman. <laughs> so actually, um, the one thing that stopped me maybe from sleeping a little bit well on the bus was that David Satori was sleeping on the bunk above me. Oh, that's interesting. <clears throat> yeah, and he's like a big dude, right? And I'm a big dude. And I was like, fuck, there's a lot of like, you know, the way the rails are set up and shit, there's a lot of weight on this side. Yeah. And I was always paranoid about it. And I'd be like, fuck, David, I feel like you're just going to like fall on top of me. And every night before we'd go to bed, <laughs> he'd like lean over and like look down into my bunk and he'd be like, I'm going to come down and kill you. Because <laughs> <laughs> David's hilarious. <laughs> He's so fucking funny. And I'd be like, for the... 45 minutes or an hour before it, it is that it takes me to get to sleep. I just be sitting there just like thinking about that being like, oh man. Does he, did he ever do that thing where he just says the, says words wrong um, into the mic on tour? Like he did this thing for the longest time with beats. He, he's one of the most amazing people at like, um, uh, just like taking a crowd's energy and playing with it. Right. Um, like, dude, when we did deca- decadence, and uh, I can't even say the word right. Was it in Colorado? Yeah, it's like a huge. New yeah, Year's huge. Thing. We were yeah. we went on right before Bass Nectar. Wow! And it was funny because Alicia had a show opening for uh, for Bass Nectar the next day, and she was like having trouble with her flights, and she called me, and I'm just always like, I had done work with Bass Nectar with that crew before. But I was so excited to like have a reason to go up and talk to them about a weird request. Like, I had to walk up to like Base Sector's tour manager and be like, "Hey, um, Alicia's not going to make it to the show tomorrow because her flight got canceled, but she can fly back here. Could she fly with you guys to the show?" And they were like, "Yeah." So Alicia just like hopped on the private jet with Base Sector and oh, wow. rode to. And I was just super excited. I was just super excited to get somebody I knew on a private jet. Right. <laughs> that's fun for me. Like, that's yeah. the best. And yeah. And they were actually like, they knew each other from like back in the day and had like a good talk and hung out and stuff. Yeah. Nice. Where are we? We're about a, about a bit over an hour in. Are we really? Yeah. We're like 70 minutes in. Dude. Well, it's time to end this thing. We could. We could end it. No way, dude. I say we, I mean, you just did two hours of Duncan Trussell. Yeah, we could do two. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could do two. What, what could we talk about? We could talk about, we, we could just keep referring back to tour stuff. Uh, that's pretty fun. Yeah, no, I mean, we could go for, God, I can, I could talk for hours about anything. You could talk about what, you, what you're doing. Snakes? Uh, no, that's just something <clears throat> I've been saying for years when I don't know what to say. Snake <laughs> penis. Where does it end and where does it begin? I think that's a riddle. <laughs> I was watching the water boy the other day. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's that scene where they're eating the snake mm-hmm. and, uh, who's the actor in it? Not Adam Sandler, the coach. 
I don't I don't know. I haven't seen that movie since I was like a kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's like, oh, what part of the snake am I eating? <coughs> and then Adam Sandler's mom is like, well, well, basically, a snake don't have parts. <laughs> but if you were were to eat any, be eating any part, I'd say you 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 were eating his knee. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> dude, fucking Adam Sandler movies. What do you like, Adam Sandler movies? Uh, I mean, not in particular, but I don't have anything against them. I don't really like watch movies that much, dude. I think I really enjoy. I think that movies are dumb now. Like, okay. like I think like you want a series. Like, what's the point of a movie? It's like yeah. you could just make a uh, ten movies in a row. That's a lot more work, and the story has to be way fucking better to do that. Well, but yeah, also, but maybe who doesn't the, want to do that? Yeah, maybe the long format like allows you to tell a better story too. A lot more stories, right? But in some cases, when I'm watching a long series, it sometimes feels to me like I'm just watching a longer movie, and it's like I they could have condensed this shit down and like saved me a bit of time. To- totally. I mean, just from a creative standpoint, I can't imagine being like, no, nah, no, nah, I'd rather uh, limit the breadth of my work to a hard hour and a half that then needs to be viewed in a theater. Like, dude, I just went to the first I went to a movie theater last year for the first time in like a decade. Dude, I go all the time. Really? Yeah, going to the theaters is something I got into whilst doing that Nick Cage movie, sort of. Ah. Uh-huh. Because I was like, I want to go and like experience more theater shit and like listen to soundtracks and all that stuff. But then I discovered that they sell beer at the theater. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? Like I can go and watch a movie and drink beer there instead of the the pub. This is way fucking better. Uh, yeah. And they also like serve food and shit. I was like, fuck, this is so much cooler than doing this in a bar. I mean... Honestly, I don't know. I love drinking at a bar too because then you can be social and and honestly drinking and being social is like the funnest shit. It really is. It like, really oh, is. I'm going to go down to the pub, uh, drink and get in a conversation with a random person. I can't do it. I can't like allow myself to do it because I enjoy it so much. It's like the best. I love talking <laughs> to strangers and like give me some alcohol and this is going to go on for a long time. And like, I just get stuck in like that mode. And I bartended for years. I ruined bars and I ruined drinking for myself. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of fun ruining it, but <clears throat> yeah, that's the point that I'm at with that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying earlier today, you like don't have issues with alcohol anymore. Oh, Jesus. No. Like I, that was a big part of when I first moved to Denver. Cause in Portland, I like drank all the time. Right. Um, Cause it's just like bartending and stuff. And, and then like, yeah, when I moved to Denver, it was just like, let's remove this from your life. You're not a bartender. Cause you like kind of get stuck in it. You know, if that's just your job, it's like the only thing you could, the only thing you get as a reward is, um, alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I've kind of, um, tried to kick alcohol a lot as well. Cause there was a point, a period of time from probably like, honestly, probably like 20 late 2015, to probably like i don't know mid 2017 where i was drinking like basically every single day yeah and then i started doing these like alcohol fasts where i was like all right i'm not gonna drink for 
you know, the month of October and I'm not going to drink the first three months of the year and I'm not going to drink for like the month of July and stuff like this. And I started building in these like fasted periods where I wasn't drinking. And I think from doing that so much, I'm so used to having these periods of time now where I don't drink that are like actually substantial periods of time, like months at a time where my brain has just sort of like clicked into this, like, all right, you're not addicted to that anymore. And, you know, sometimes I'll like fall back into it if I'm like on a period between say April and July where I have like a few months there where I'm not fasting from alcohol. I think it's four, four months maybe in that period of time where it'll slowly ramp up again. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be like, fuck, I'm drinking every day again. And then I'll be like, all right, month of July, bam, let's go, no alcohol and like nip it in the butt again. So it's kind of, I don't know, I have a system now that seems to work. Yeah. Is there something, does it annoy you that like, you you know, now this pattern and now you like go into it, like knowing this thing's just going to go like out of control a little bit, like, and you're like, yeah. just like waiting for it, you know, to some degree, but also I'm like pretty self-aware about of it. So yeah. like. I feel like I can kind of direct it to, you know, yeah, to where if something is, you know, I won't drink like every single day within those four months because like I'll be aware of it as well and I'll try to, you know, stop it from happening even in those periods of time where I am allowing myself to not completely abstain from it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even think about alcohol if I'm on my own. Jesus, like that's the last thing that'll cross my mind. It's like I'm always trying to do something productive and for me. But what if you're hyperproductive like I am? Uh, yeah. Then, then that's not a See, yeah, problem, alcohol right? puts me to sleep when yeah. I like start looking at a computer screen. But if you're hyperproductive to the sense where you're like, well, you know, I just finished like ex- like a giant amount of work, which I'm I'm pretty much always finishing like a lot of work. So I so I guess I always feel validated in drinking when I'm allowing myself to, cause I'm like, well, it's fine. You know, I just did X, X, Y, Z. Yeah. But like, then what is the, what is the work? Right. Like what is yeah. the, you know, like it's like, well, I did X, like now I can do this thing. Mm. And it's like, yeah, but like, what if X could have been greater? Right. Right. Yeah. You know? And like, wh- how much is this affecting like overall output? And, and how much are you maybe just being like, I'm going to call X done so I can drink. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I've for sure done that. Yeah. Yeah. I've a hundred percent been like this track's finished. I'm going to go get beer when I know for sure the fucking track's not finished. Yeah. I've done that a few times. Yeah. It's interesting. Like the podcast format, it's funny. Like we had been talking for, you know, like over an hour at least before this thing started. Yeah. And it's funny because like, there'll be like lulls in this conversation where it's like, I'm like, huh, where do we go next? <clears throat> Yet if we were just talking and kicking it, like that lulling conversation would lead into like, I don't know, an activity or something. Right. And then like the subject matter comes like more naturally. Like naturally from doing the activity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting forcing yourself to just have a conversation with somebody for a few hours, like an engaged conversation where you're both not like taking those minute periods of time to look at your phone or something and like oh dude what the hell that shit's crazy like yeah dealing with people's like phone addiction dude yeah some people are real bad at it i try to be like if i'm hanging out with someone like you who i find pretty engaging or i'm hanging out with my girlfriend or i'm hanging out with like you know uh my housemate who i also really enjoy his company um, yeah i try to be pretty aware of it and try to not do it because i know how it makes me feel on the receiving end of it Totally. It's like if somebody, if you're like trying to have a conversation with somebody and hang out with somebody 
and they're just like pulling their phone out and looking at it. It's it seems like oh you just don't really care. Dude, Tony is maddening. Right. Like he I have a tactic for dealing with it. He'll pull out his phone and you just go. "Ah." No, (laughs) no. I just let the conversation go completely dead. I noticed you did that before when I pulled out my phone. Yeah. You just stopped talking completely. Yeah, because I'm like, oh, well, well, like if they're on their phone, they can do their phone thing now. Right. You know, like that's that's how I feel. I'm like, oh, I thought, yeah, I thought maybe you were just being polite. Cause well, no, it is. It is. I mean, I guess in the end it is kind of being polite, mm. but it's also just like I don't want to like expend the energy to like have this conversation and like have them not like taking it in because they're distracted. To then just have to like say it again. Yeah, to say yeah, it again yeah. or whatever. You know, like it's, yeah. Right. Uh, dude, I like when I've been listening to your podcast recently, I like how, oh man, I love how the other, you had uh, Ulicite on, right? And you start. Ulicite. I don't, Ulicite. I don't even yeah. know his name. I only know him as a human. Cooper, yeah. Yeah. I, I've met him. I hung out with him twice because of Bill. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. I've never even heard his music. <clears throat> and, I like him as a person. Like yeah, I think person. it's I think he's 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 hilarious. He's an interesting guy. Me oh, me and him had a had a we had a moment the other night when uh you came to kill Tony. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Me and him were were kicking it like that night for a while and just had a blast. Like yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun. Do you know what happened with my I got stuck at this bar with like my credit card? Oh yeah, I remember that. That was just after um we went into a so after we were at the comedy store, we went into a bar and then he was like, You've got to get on this mechanical bull. Yeah. And I was like, uh, all right, sure, I'll get on the mechanical bull. And then the lady who was running it clearly didn't want to be running it because she was like, It's late and we already shut the mechanical bull down. Yeah. And Cooper for some reason like wouldn't let it go and was <laughs> like, No, you've got to go on the mechanical bull. He has to go on it. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like all right fine i'll fucking fire up the mechanical bull then she did it and then when i was, just as i was about to get on it she's like you, you're gonna break your neck and like looked at me real serious like i'm just gonna run this shit as hard as i possibly can sort of thing <laughs> and i was like i'm not down for that shit and then i got off and then cooper was like trying to push me to go on it i was like i'm uh, i'm gonna leave <laughs> and oh then that's- i didn't even realize that part of the dynamic i thought you were actually scared of the bull no, I was, well, I was, like, I, I was at yeah. the point that she said, like, I'm like, when she looked at me, the lady who was running it looked at me really seriously and was like, you're going to break your neck. And I was like, I mean, there was the thought that went through my head of like, there's no way they could run this bar. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, but no, no. I mean, they did make me sign a waiver. So technically fucking, who, how do I know that like every single day they run that thing, somebody comes off it and then a year down the track, their shoulder still hurts, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they signed yeah, yeah. a waiver. So there's nothing they can do about it. Yeah. So I thought about it from that perspective. I was like, I'm just going to play this one safe. And yeah. Didn't do it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just didn't know what was going on because I was in a different part of the bar. Right. And you were trying to deal with a credit card thing. <laughs> it was so funny. They were like, it just like their machine was broke. And I had like bought a beer only so the mechanical bull thing could happen. <laughs> and, and like then the mechanical bull thing wasn't <laughs> happening anymore. And I'm like, who cares? Like, take the beer back. Like, and they're just like, we need to run your card. And I'm like, yeah. And I gave it to you and your machine doesn't work. And they're like, what if it's your card? And I like pull up my balance and it's like, I'm like, it's not the card. Look, here's my bank account. You want to look at the card number? And like, eventually I just had to be like, okay, guys, I'm going to leave. And they're like, no, 
<laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. And, and it was funny. They like chased they, me like, out. They like still had your card? No, no. They had given me it back for a second. Right. I was All like, right. let me look at my card. And then I got it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take off. <laughs> and they were like, no. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And they like followed me outside. And I was just like, what are you, what are you going to really do about They're this? Like, we're going to beat you up for the card. <laughs> it reminded me of when I was younger. I like uh, prank called somebody from a payphone. Right. And I dialed 911. And, uh, or I didn't prank call. I was like screwing with a friend and I just hit nine one and it auto dials the extra one. Oh, okay. I did not know that. Right. So like the phone, I hit nine one, hung up the phone. Then the phone starts ringing. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. I pick up the phone and it's like nine one one dispatch. And they're like, uh, nine one one emergency. Are you okay? And I'm like, Oh, I was just messing with my friend and I hit nine one. And then I, hung up the phone and they're like yeah well the extra one gets dialed there'll be police coming and i'm like uh am i in trouble they're like yeah you don't abuse the 911 system and i was like cool well i'm just gonna leave <laughs> and uh and, and uh and the funny thing is i didn't leave oh and i stood there and the cops came and they were like was somebody just using that phone and i was like yeah he took off <laughs> like what like how you can't catch me here like you don't know what happened <laughs> it's so great i love situations like that <laughs> dude that's so much <laughs> yeah, it's like what are they gonna do right? yeah what are you gonna do like uh yeah <laughs> i like rules like that where you just like see to the end of the it the whole like, yeah the no. whole whole thing just like hinges on you being honest and like <laughs> allowing yourself to get in trouble basically yeah i'm not gonna do it Honesty, and it's like why? Cool. Why even send cops at that point if you answered and they're like, "Hey, did you?" It's like, "Oh, do you, are you are you okay?" And you're like, "No, sorry, I just fucked up." Like, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna send cops." It's like you're just wasting their time. It's crazy. Um, yeah, like the way that uh, the way that this stuff works in this country is crazy, right? Like, like if you get this, somebody told me this recently, like they got an ambulance, um, they had a real life emergency. And in the ambulance ride, they were like, do you want the sirens on? And they were like, what? Like, yeah. And they were like, it's $500. To turn the sirens on? Yeah. Uh, just for some lights and some some sounds? Insane. Insane. Yeah, that's, that's like, you could get cheap production at a show down for $500. Yeah, yeah, totally. Why don't people just hire out way- ambulances? That's a good point. Yeah, that should be your next tour. Yeah, I'm going to play out the back of an ambulance, pay 500 bucks a night for production. <laughs> it's just sirens. <laughs> play a play an old school dub set and just run the siren the whole time. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And yeah, fuck, I'm, I don't know what kind of situation they might have been having, but what if you're like passed out? Do they, who, de- who de- decides whether to put the sirens on or not? Yeah, no, and I think... I maybe, don't know. Maybe it's like just... fifteen hundred bucks, like for an ambulance with no sirens. No, uh, like I think it's just like there's like, and I'm sure it's different everywhere, but there's like a straight up fee. Like you got an ambulance, and it's a lot of money. It's crazy. Like I um wrecked a bike a long time ago, and uh, I got charged like three thousand dollars for an MRI because I got I I was drinking and I tried to ride my bike on a Jersey barrier. Okay. Um, which is like those things that divide the highway. Yeah, like a median strip. Yeah, but like they're like real thin. Yeah, like the little triangle ones. Yeah. You tried to ride a motorbike on that? No, no, a uh, like a fixed gear bike in oh. Portland. 
And Fun. so like the front of it, I'd been thinking about it for years and the front of it uh, fell off. And when it did, because of the way fixed gears work, like my back wheel was still on and, and the back wheel is like powered. So like by your foot. So like when the front wheel fell off, my foot like kept turning me into the ground. I like with a lot of force smashed my head on the ground, Ugh. like from that high up. Jesus. And like, you can see it right here. Yeah. Is it that side? I think. When I get tired, you can see it more. I have it's like, like a scar. Yeah. And then like when my mustache grows in, it won't completely grow in because like I just really messed up my face. And I walked to this bar and I was like, is this going to be, I found these girls and this, and I was like, they're outside of this bar. And I was like, is this, I walk out of the shadows. I'm like, is this going to be permanent? And they screamed. Wow. And I was like, oh my God. And then their boyfriends like came over and I was like, guys, like, is this permanent? Like all nervous. And they, they were like, you need to go to the hospital, dude. And so I started to ride my bike to the hospital and I the was same like, bike that just fell apart. Yeah. Oh and I God. was, I was like, I was like halfway there and I called my roommate at the time and whilst I, riding a bike that you just, yeah. And I was like, I'm trying to drive, ride my bike to the hospital, but my eyes keep filling with blood. And he goes, what? Holy shit. And so he came and picked me up and took me to the hospital. There's actually a very funny video of me in the hospital. I was in great spirits. Like Damn. I had just got my face ripped into shreds and like i was singing songs to the people that were like injecting like saline solution into my wounds like it made me hurt so bad i like screamed and like i was like everything oh yeah it's like that's a song i just wrote it for you um yeah and it was i don't know when the worst shit happens to me i have fun right like the tour like back to the tour that's like literally how i feel about that tour like it was trying and rewarding and hella fun at the end the hardest thing i've ever done was like the first beats antique tour like i had like a full giant setup i'd never done anything like it and i had to like build this thing in like this dude like i would just meet like four the way it works is like you go to this town and you like get a certain amount of stage hands, but like they're just kids, you know, and they don't know how stuff works. So like, you're yeah, just they're like, really just there to carry shit. And you get a blank slate every day. <clears throat> and yeah. I had to do like a lot of mapping on this tour. So like, I would have to like figure out who the kid was that wasn't an idiot to help me at the end. Like it was really fun to try. And like, <laughs> I got, I got okay at like going and in, into these rooms and just meeting these kids and picking out like who was going to be like the actual one I could talk to and get help from. Right. And then get the rest of them to just <laughs> move stuff. Yeah. So going back to like MRI stuff, <clears throat> I, oh, actually, shit. Sorry, yeah. I actually had to like, get one of those. Dust. It cost me three grand. I didn't need it. They did it to cover insurance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had one uh, last year or the, getting sued. the year before, I think. Um, yeah, basically I was like in Denver and then I was supposed to be flying to Hawaii and then to Australia to do a tour. Mm -hmm. uh, what ended up happening is I flew to Hawaii, was there for about 12 hours and then my housemate at the time flipped her fucking shit and started like threatening to basically um, destroy my gear and like basically was being pretty, I don't know, it didn't make me feel good. So I was like- Housemate, where were you living? 
uh, in Denver. Okay, got it. Um, and I was with Samantha in Hawaii, and and we had a roommate at the time. Gotcha. Uh, so I flew back from Hawaii to Denver. So I'd just like done this big flight, did this other big flight back to Denver, um, and then packed all of my house into a storage unit. So that housemate would come back to just a completely empty house, basically. Yeah. And took my name off the lease and everything. I was just like, fuck this. I'm just like getting out of this situation. Because we asked the cops if we could like kick this roommate out. And we couldn't because she was like protected under renters laws in Colorado. And I was like, but I can move out, right? And they're like, you can move out, sure. And I was like, I'm just going to do that. So, (laughs) So I flew back from Hawaii, took like four days of my time with barely any sleep to pack a whole house of shit down into a storage unit during which time tipper actually came and helped me pack some of my house down really yeah he like helped me carry my couch and shit out to the truck and stuff oh my god was there just like squelchy weird like farty noises happening the whole time he like he like bends (laughs) down to lift something it's like (laughs) anyway so i did that and then i flew from colorado back to sydney so I, like in the span of a week, I'd just done all of this stuff, which was like quite stressful. And then I went to a bar, drank like half a beer with my friend and had a seizure and just from like stress, I think. Oh, whoa. Holy shit. Really? Yeah. Have you I, ever had that before? Uh, Like a few times in my life. Yeah. Holy fuck. What is it? And that's why you had the MRI. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. My story, the punchline of the story was I got an MRI and it was free because I was in Australia. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, sick sick that's free seizure Woo. yeah why did we yeah why did we even leave the queen Don't know. yeah the commonwealth they got it down man like uh i like to talk to people from canada and just be like okay um have you ever heard this uh long lines does that mean anything to you and they're they're just like no what the fuck are you talking about like you know lo- the long lines when you go to the doctor they're like uh no like Going to the doctor is fine. But in America, there's this like propaganda going that's gone on forever. They're like, yeah, what do you want to get free health care and have long lines? <laughs> like that is not something you say that to somebody from like saying that to you. Is yeah. that something no, that's dude. haunted your existence? No, I went to the MRI place. I was literally in instantly and out. Like, as soon as the MRI was done, it took, like, the length of the MRI, basically. Yeah, but what about innovation in medicine? I don't know if there's a lot of that yeah, who, happening in Australia. Who knows? It's just, it's ridiculous. Like, the, the reasons for this stuff are crazy here. And it's funny because Bill is not at all, uh, like, a political person. No. I went through the Trump um, election. That happened on the tour. Right? That happened on the tour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that was weird. That was weird. To be... Well, it was weird for me because it, like, bothered me deeply. Dude, you know what the funniest shit is? You didn't care at all. You guys were, like... I was just, like, not invested. And I was busy fucking, like, worrying about this tour thing. So I was, Totally. Like, I don't know. I've not looked into it. <laughs> Basically where I was at with it. Yeah. But I remember the night that he got elected. We played in Philadelphia. And uh, after that show, some uh, trans woman was, like, want to come do coke off my tits? And I was, like... Uh, no, I'm okay. <laughs> but like, I, I distinctly remember that day and like those two things <laughs> happening. <laughs> I mean, and I remember the, the why Philly. Why didn't you do the coke off her tits? Because I had a girlfriend who wouldn't have been cool with that at the time. Oh, that's really good of you. And, and also like, yeah. Uh, also, it was just a weird vibe that see, day. <laughs> coke off tits. 
It wasn't going to change the fact that Trump was the president. No, not at all. But oh, yeah, you're right. That wasn't Philly. And man, I remember how the room was split up. They had like the bar and then a stanchioned off area where, for Trump supporters. Well, no, <laughs> for people who were able to drink in the 21 plus area. Yeah. And that area was like a tiny little column at the side of the room next to the bar. And then the whole rest of the venue was for people who like weren't allowed to have beverages mm-hmm. and were like 18 plus, I guess. And literally it was just everyone was down this one side of the room like in that stanchioned off bar area and there was like nobody in the in the rest of the venue i was like this is fucking. it's the worst setup it happens in portland as well it's like it's like at least organize it to where like the bar is at the front of the stage or something yeah it's such a bad setup it's so bad and it ruins like all ages shows when they do that and yeah, it's like a certain states do it because of their like drinking laws. Or yeah, whatever. Seattle it's not does everywhere. It too. Yeah. Like Washington, I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so yeah, li- you living in the Pacific Northwest? No, I live in San Francisco. Well, yeah, but that's that's no. in the Pacific, like Northwest, Pacific right? No, that's like NorCal. Yeah, I would say Pacific Northwest starts in like Bend or okay. like Eugene, maybe. Yeah, I feel like attitude wise. Like, attitude wise norcal is like has a different well i mean the attitude sort of gradients up towards there doesn't it like yeah, yeah. definitely Nor- norcal is like more that attitude than socal but i think the attitude like uh there's like two gradients going on there's like there's like the gradient of south to north and like when i was younger i would describe it to people like like this like in the south i grew up in maryland on the mason dixon line and then moved up to vermont um, and like Vermont's like a totally different thing. It's like European, uh, sensibilities, like people in Vermont travel, like everybody travels like in America, that's not a thing. There's so many people that just never do anything. Right. Right. And yeah, like in, in the South, they will, uh, like say you fart. If you fart in the South, you'll be like, yeah, I farted. <laughs> um, and if you fart, in the north you'll like try to act like it never happened and if you have like a crazy uh relative in the south like he'll live out in your backyard and that's just like johnny you know and like he's part of it whereas like in the north you're more liable to like put him in a home and never talk about it (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) like there's there's just this like there's this like yeah I'm just checking the time. We're like an hour and 35 minutes. Sick. Yeah. yeah. We should do a Netflix series. You want to like end with a cliffhanger? (laughs) We'll go out. No, we'll do like a five second break and then just come back in and you'll be like, Mr. Bill's. I'll hit the skip the intro thing. (laughs) Wait, how do people feel about the uh, intro to Mr. Bill's podcast? Do you get any feedback about it? So the intro is just like all those voices that going keep like, going, Mr. Bill's podcast. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Mr. Bill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. Are I, people like, I put it on repeat. I just. I so I there's kind of two it. intros. The other intro is me going like, hey, this is Mr. Bill. And like, I'm going to plug my tour dates. And under that has an unreleased tune. And actually that unreleased tune uh, that is playing in the intro is just something that i made in Encanti's lounge room in spain when i was teaching there Encanti, we were talking about him earlier he's yeah just so, one of the funniest people ever yeah he's I, a I great that dude he's, he's yeah he's amazing so i did the um the teaching thing in spain 
uh, with him. He's been on this podcast too. Oh, cool. Um, so I did the the teaching thing with him in Spain, and we uh, he wasn't really there the whole time I was there, but I um, wrote the intro song for this podcast on there, and I could just never figure out a how to finish it and b how I would want to release it. But you know, I was just like, oh, it works perfectly for the intro of this podcast, and then I. Tipper hit me up when he was doing his DJ set recently for New Orleans and was like, hey, do you have like a folder of shit I could like listen to to maybe have some content for this DJ set I'm putting together? And the one he picked to play in his set from my folder was the the intro one to this podcast, which was just a random thing that I made on M Audio speakers in a completely tiled room. It's like you would think Tipper would, you know, only play the most highly produced like You know, that's a funny on. thing that I think about a lot. And when I I think it'd be a cool thing to ask you about because like I, I felt like this whole time like I've listened to this podcast a bunch and it's usually, you know, very production centric. Mm-hmm. And like I feel bad. I'm like, oh, these like producers, you know, like wanna hear you talk about that kind of thing. And like I don't think that's the case. I yeah. mean I think I definitely think people are interested in hearing about like the other side of things <clears throat> because, you know, I have my medium for playing music to people. It shows. I have my medium for showing people how I write music. That's YouTube tutorials, basically. Yeah. And this is like everything else. You know, it's like all the shit that surrounds my life that isn't those two things. It's so it's such a sick thing to be doing. Like, in all honesty, like, I think this is so cool. But yeah, like fun. thinking it's- about Tipper, right? Thinking about Tipper, like you've talked to me about just how much you really like love his production and you think he's like the best, you know? Yeah, he's definitely one of the best. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And then you say like, you say like uh, he picked this song of yours that wasn't like the craziest, most well-produced song. And, And I just always wonder with like all facets of artistry, and you're somebody that isn't going to fall into this. You're very like deeply rational thought out person, but like, you know, like you're so into like his sound. And then he picks this thing that you think doesn't hit this. I wonder if what his markers of good are. I think for him, it was more vibe. Like, it's definitely just, like, a sort of weird hip-hop vibe that he can scratch over, and I think that's what he was looking for for that set, okay. whereas everything else might have been, like, too produced or something or too heavy or, like, the vibe probably just wasn't right. Yeah. I think that's more or less what he was probably going for with that. It's interesting because everybody, when I left Ember, everybody, um, everybody that I knew, like, worshipped Tipper on a level, and then now all those people are like friends with him on some level yeah yeah he's just well he lives there now and that's what the denver scene is like you know it's kind of like all the comedians in la are just friends with joe rogan it's like the biggest fucking media outlet in the planet of 2020 that part is nuts yeah right like for real like and it's weird like like, i think it's probably only a matter of time before you probably meet him and yeah it's funny i've actually like I, I have the opportunity, you know, like, um, uh, I just, I don't, I don't know the point of, I don't want to meet somebody for the reason of meeting them, like to meet them because just for the sake of it. Like you want to, yeah, I I get what you mean. You want to have like the chance to share space with them in like some sort of setting 
that allows you that makes sense and to like, if it yeah to if a conversation stirs like there's no forced aspect to it right or whatever i just would feel weird if it was like <laughs> hello yeah, yeah you know like and i don't want to and i and from what i know he doesn't um like he doesn't he just very much wants people to treat him like a regular person like for sure yeah and David. he also probably <clears throat> to some degree just rocks up to the comedy store just to practice material and then like kind of leaves too doesn't he dude he throws he rocks up to the comedy store and every night he throws the guy that parks his car a hundred bucks wow yeah and then gets paid like 25 50 bucks or something for going on at the store <laughs> it's, awesome. it's insane yeah. it's insane like it's it's really weird how that whole thing works well i mean to him it's probably just like Oh, yeah. To him, it's done. nothing. Yeah. Uh, dude, I had this funny situation recently um, where, so I've been doing like uh, best of clips for Kill Tony mm-hmm. and like I'll like caption it out and crap. And like I had to send like clips to uh, Tony and he has, I have an Android, he has like uh, an iPhone. And uh, I had to export like an MOV. And because of like some, combination of like a long ass argument between adobe and apple and like uh instagram being really weird about just like standardizing things uh like i can't send like an instagram size file to tony from a windows computer period wow period without conversion software like Mm -hmm. there's no way to convert it vlc um the only way would be, would be uh, like I could do it in Touch Designer, but right now I have like uh, right now I'm just using the uh, like the learning version of Touch, mm-hmm. so like it doesn't have full output, so like I can't even I don't know it's just so frustrating I had to like pay for a conversion setup and I'm trying to solve this problem at the comedy store. You could just buy. I'm in a back right? room with Ron White, who's. You know Ron White? He's like, uh, no. He's like, he's hilarious. He's this like, he was on like the Redneck Comedy Tour back in the day, mm-hmm. but he's actually like funny, just straight up. Hilarious comedian. And he's like, we're in this back room at the comedy store and he's telling this story about his ongoing divorce. Like it's it's hilarious. And I'm trying to solve the dumbest problem <laughs> in existence next yeah, to him, yeah. just frustrated, staring at an iPhone. <laughs> and like, it was just so obnoxious to be just like in this room, like, I just want to have fun here. And I'm like, this <laughs> failing at like the easiest tech problem in the world is what it should be. Right. But it's not, um, apparently. Yeah. So now I have to pay to convert files it's so dumb fuck well man i think we should wrap it yeah Um, i I really need to go to the toilet plus i really want to just go outside and (laughs) walk around la or something walk around let's go walk around law (laughs) yeah go walk around (laughs) here in k-town yeah (laughs) cool man well thanks for coming on i appreciate it thanks for coming on wait that's funny you just thanks for coming to my uh room yeah, no, you're more than welcome. I know it's always funny when I do this because I'm always like, welcome to the Mr. Bill podcast. But nine times out of 10, I seem to be doing them in other people's studios and shit because like, <laughs> I'm doing them mostly while I travel. Yeah, yeah. Because people in San Francisco don't have time. They're too busy thinking. So. Um, <laughs> but yeah, cool, man. Thanks. Fuck yeah. Hell yeah, thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Mr. Bill Podcast.